you know, from uh, 19 to 20, we grew 50% to 3.5. From 20 to 21, we grew 61.5% to like 5.8. From 21 to 22, last year, we we grew to almost 10 million, That's which is 70% growth. Like, wow. Yeah. So you got to check your cash flow. I mean, when you grow that fast, like cash flow is king. You got to have cash. This is the Wealthy Contractor Podcast, brought to you by G4 Marketing. Interviews with today's top home improvement entrepreneurs about marketing, sales, money, mindset, and lifestyle. Now, here's your host, Brian Kaskavalsian. Hello, everybody, and welcome to another episode of the Wealthy Contractor Podcast. This is Brian Kaskavalsian with G4 Marketing Group. And today I've got John Vierhoff from Plumbing Nerds. It's good to have a plumber on or plumbing company owner on. It's I think it's been a little while. Welcome, John. Happy to have you here. Yeah, thanks for having me, Brian. So John is a G4 client, and I just met you live and in person at Accelerate a few weeks ago. And we had a quick chat and I said, oh, crap, I got to get you on the podcast so tell everybody, let's start with what does the business look like today as we're recording this? And then I want to go back. I want to hear your kind of the, the beginning. Sure. Today, we are a plumbing only company. We are actually this year, one of our rocks is to launch our HVAC department. And we're in all of Southwest Florida, which includes Naples. Our headquarters is actually in Naples, Fort Myers, Cape Coral. And then all the surrounding islands. So yeah, yeah. So how many trucks on the road? We have thirty-two trucks on the road right now. Thirty-two trucks. Yes, that ain't no joke, my friends. Thirty-two trucks. I used to have eleven. I used to have eleven. What a flipping nightmare it is to have that many <laughs> trucks out on the road. You probably are doing a whole lot better job than I did with it. Thirty-two trucks. How many total staff? I think we're at 63 as of uh, last week. Yeah. Okay. Yes. Wow. All right, cool. So let's go back. I want to know, how'd you start? When did you start? Because you didn't start with 32 trucks. You I would imagine you started with just one. Yes. Yeah. So a little background on me personally is I'm a plumber by trade. I'm 44. I've been doing this since I was 18. Dropped out of high school. I was a four-year repeating freshman. And my brother-in-law posed the question. He said, what are you going to do with the rest of your life? And I was just like, I don't know. And he introduced me to plumbing and uh, started my first, after I got into plumbing, two years, two years after I got into it, I got fired because I was really cocky and it forced me to own my first business 20 some years ago. So I've been doing this for a long time. Wow. Was that in Columbus or uh, in Ohio or was that in Naples? I was. Yep. That was in Columbus, Ohio. Yep. And what happened with that? What happened with that business? How long did you have it for? So we did new construction. It was residential. We did all the big builders. It lasted about four years. We ended it at about just under 3 million, about 2.4 really is where we were at. And we filed bankruptcy. It was you know, working for contractors, in my opinion, in our industry, just isn't isn't the right path. Yeah. Yeah. Right. When you said builders, I knew exactly where that story was headed. Yeah. Why is that? Just for the people that are out there, because I know I have this conversation a lot with people. I mean, there are certain business models within the home improvement space that just aren't that good. And that's one of them. And so why why is it so bad? 
Why did why did you go from you know one truck to four, which is a great accomplishment? Two point four million dollars is also a great accomplishment, but at the end of the day, you went bankrupt. So what happened? Why is it so bad? Well, in my opinion, the number one thing is Brian is that like you have no control over your business. You have and are concerned about your builders' relationships and your builders' marketing and. You literally have no control over that. And, you know, even after I filed bankruptcy and I moved to Florida and, and started my first business right during the my, my Florida business, right during the recession, I started off doing construction. I did commercial work. So I still didn't learn my lesson. Yeah. And finally, I realized that after getting bonked over the head by a few co commercial contractors through the recession, that it's just it's it's not a way to run the business. Working for the, the homeowner directly is the right way to go. Yeah. So let me, let's frame this. So you're what, about 25, 26 years old at this point when yes. you, okay. So the company goes bankrupt. Were you married at that time? Yeah. I was married for 21 years total. Okay. Yeah. Well, wait, no, no, no. I mean, not right now. I mean, back then. Yes. Yes. Yeah. yes. You were married I've been back then. With my wife since I was 16 years old. So yes. Okay. So you were married you go bankrupt. How did you deal with that? Like at, at a young age with a wife, how did you deal with that? And a daughter, newborn. Oh, a newborn. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. It was probably one of the more difficult things I've done in my life. You know, I did like a lot of people, I have a story, you know, a childhood story that wasn't the greatest. And I think that gave me a lot of endurance to move through times like that. You know, when things are tough, I, I have a I, I can persevere pretty well. Yeah. And it was tough, but it wasn't the toughest thing I've been through in my life. Yeah. So you then you're 25, 26, married, you have a daughter. Is that and then you decide, okay, let's let's move and let's go to Florida. So what actually happened was is I when that happened, I swore off plumbing. I was like, my at that time wife's name was Jessica. And I was like, Jessica, I'm done with plumbing. I want to become a pharmaceutical rep. I want to go back to college and I want to get my degree and I want to rep some pharmaceuticals. And she just graduated at that time. And, and right before the recession to move down to Florida as an RN, she got roughly $35,000 between sign on bonus and, and move in bonus to get down here. So we had our entire trip paid. Nice. And, you know, again, I got boinked in the head by a friend that I ran into and he's like, what are you doing? He's like, you are a badass. <laughs> You need to get into plumbing. And, and after really, you know, reflecting and praying, realized that it was the right path for me. Yeah. So it's kind of funny because, listen, I, I think that if you are going to fail and go bankrupt, it's much better to do it at 25 or 26 than it is to do it later in life. I did it at 40. <laughs> and, and regardless of age, it's a difficult time. But I think it's so funny how many of us end up in Florida. <laughs> Anyway, so you start back up again in Florida. What year is this that you started back up? If, if we can just back up for just a second sure. to your point, you know, when we were sitting in the courtroom and I don't remember the official name of the guy, he looks down at my wife's ring and he says, he says, is that your ring? And that's when it really became real because, you know, we both realized that we're taking everything. We're getting everything taken from us. Right. Yeah. So, Yes. Very difficult moments at 25, much easier than 40, but no matter what stage of life you're in or season, it's, it's difficult. It's bad. It's bad. It's bad. Yeah. Our guy told us, don't, you don't have anything. You don't have any jewelry. You don't have anything, you know, hide it. 
is right. basically what he told us. And maybe I'm not supposed to admit that, but that's what happened. Okay. So you were, yeah. So you move here. Yep. Your wife gets a great job, which is good. That's helpful. And so what'd you do? You just, you started with one truck again? Started with one truck. Yeah. We, I started pounding on doors. I was like, I'm not doing residential anymore. I'm going to do commercial work. Okay. It's got to be different than the residential world. So I started beating on some doors and again, the persistence thing, it's something I'm really good at. And I just, I would just harass the heck out of these people trying to get work. And finally, a few contractors let me in and, you know, I did some pretty big projects. I did school building, you know, middle schools and I did uh, colleges and did some big buildings and they actually got me through the recession. So I'm, I'm, you know, very thankful for those, Yeah. but it still wasn't, you know, I was still dependent on their marketing and their team and, you know, little control that I had. Yeah. So what year are we talking now or where, where are we? 2007 is when I moved down here. So right before the recession. Right before the recession. Yeah. Right. Right. And so, okay. So you had one truck up until what year? One truck until probably, probably 2010. 2010. Okay. 2010. Yeah. And then you added your second. I added my second. Yes. So it's funny in the when you're in the truck business and, and you know, it's funny in the replacement space where a lot of our clients are windows, roofing, siding, one day bath. There is a similarity between you guys and your going from one truck to two trucks and our guys going from getting to them, the, the getting out of the truck and getting that second truck is bringing on a salesperson. Mm-hmm. It's very much the same dynamic it's the same mental gymnastics that goes mm-hmm. on and it's the heart one of the hardest things to do and it's the difference between companies that'll go from you know a million million two to break through and go to that next level of two and a half three million so you added the second truck now you were still working the first truck right correct yep. yeah so how long did you do that for I'm just going to guess because I don't I don't really remember. But I'm gonna say, we probably had about five trucks total before before I decided that I needed to make a different move and start working on the business. Right. Yeah. Which which never really happens. You know, at that stage, you're still working in the business. But, you know, more of it, more of my time was spent working on the business. Yeah. And how long did it take to get to five trucks? It took about it took about, let's see, seven, ten, probably about four years. Four years to get to five. Okay. So then you start, you step away from doing the work. Did you have like one of these moments where you said, okay, I'm never doing that again? Or what was that? Actually, Brian, I I found myself throughout the years up until probably about 2012, stepping back into the truck a couple different times, whether it was to, you know, to actually help produce revenue for the company or whether it was to help one of our teammates show them what's expected in the field one way or the other. I, I feel like for quite some time, I was still in a truck, Yeah, you know, and, and there was a, there was, you know, after we decided to go strictly to service work, there was actually a time where I had a guy that took seven guys with him and went to another company. So even, even when I was at $3 million doing service work, I was still ended up in a truck for a little bit of time. So you had a guy take seven guys away from you. Very long story, very crooked guy. I caught him stealing a lot and I approached him and it was just, it was a down moment in my life for sure. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. I hate those stories. God. But what did it teach you? 
Well, you know, I think that, so I'll give you a little bit more background on it. Sure. You know, not only was he stealing and I ended up finding out about 30 to $40,000 of what I actually found, it was probably significantly more. Yeah. But the part that's really rough is that he was actually pretending to be my friend in person. He was asking me to be his best man at his wedding and all of this stuff when, you know, behind my back, he was stealing from me, which was hard because you don't, you know, for me anyways, you know, you, you try to see the best in people. Yeah. So one of the lessons is, 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 you know, what most people would expect is like, don't trust anybody. And that's not a lesson I learned. Like I still trust, I trust first, trust, but verify, I think is the, the term that you hear a lot. Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, but as far as lessons go, just, you know, just paying attention, paying more attention to your numbers. You know, I knew that there was something wrong, especially at that size at that time. I knew there was something wrong and I pressed in. I just didn't press in long enough. And I believe if I would have, I would have seen it sooner. Yeah. Yeah. Knowing the numbers. So that's interesting that you say that. When you say that back at that time, when you're at, you know, the five trucks, what was your revenue at that at that point with five trucks? I think we're just over a million. Okay. So when you say knowing the numbers better, what did that look like? What did that end up looking like to you? Well, you know, and it's hindsight is what it is, right, Brian? Like you, you know, looking back at it, I, you know, I see it now. Right. What I seen at the moment at the time was I was making money. I had a net profit and then I did it. And, you know, I was looking at the cost of materials. I was looking at, you know, month over month. I was looking year over year, trying to figure it out, trying to figure it out. And I mean, again, the truth is, is I just, I couldn't pinpoint what it was. And it was accidental how I actually ended up figuring it out. I was looking at my fuel receipt and something stood out to me. And I realized that there was fuel, actually additional fuel that was being charged to a, a, a particular card. And then that led me down the path of, well, what else is going on here? Yeah. So it's really just, I mean, it's everything. Knowing your gross, knowing your margin. I mean, margin is, is everything because that's how, that's how you actually are able to run your business. If you don't have a good gross margin, you're not able to, you know, run your business. So, you know, yeah. I think it's just knowing your numbers, everything from gross margin to your net profit, just, you know, and then down, down the line to, to each individual technician and what their metrics should be. Yeah. Well, and I think, you know, I, I think one of the powerful things about this podcast is lessons like that. You know, we could all talk about how great you're doing right now and, you know, what a big house you have and how you're, you know, you're traveling and you're buying this and you're buying that, but there's no lesson in that. I want to know, I want to know about the lessons because I know it wasn't easy for me. And I know there's a lot of, uh, there's a lot of people out there listening that are probably, you know, they, if they don't understand their numbers, they don't know their numbers, the way that you do now, the way that I do and the way that, you know, most of my top clients do, it's likely people are stealing from you. And what's interesting about the whole stealing thing is there is the malicious purposeful stealing, but there's also the, I don't know that I'm stealing, meaning I'm being inefficient or I'm yes. not reporting that, Hey, I don't know how to do certain things. So it's taking me longer or, you know, there's so many different ways that people can steal from the company. And yes. unless you've got a way of measuring and knowing what things should be, you're vulnerable. You're yes. vulnerable. So you start to, so you're doing about a million bucks, five trucks, starting to know the numbers. What else had to change? I mean, so you're talking, what, 2012, you said? 
is when you were at five? Yeah, yes. And 2012 was also where I made the transition to doing service only. Okay, service only. Now, just for the people that aren't familiar with plumbing, tell us what service only is. So service only versus construction or remodel service only is just working directly for the end user, which what we typically would consider the end user would be the homeowner. The homeowner. Um, I know you guys are in Miami. Yep. We're in, you know, which has a lot of seasonal people. Same thing with where we're at. We have a lot of seasonal people. So we do find ourselves working for some property management companies sometimes. Sure. But to some points that, you know, at your Accelerate Alive that, that the lady was mentioning with a call center, like making sure you're talking to the homeowner. And if you're not, make sure that you're actually have the, the homeowner available to communicate when you're on site. So just little things like that helps you get to the owner. Yeah. So in 10 years, from 2012 to 2022, you went from five trucks to 32 trucks. Is that right? Yes. Yeah. Okay. All right. So when you go from five to 10, so how long did it take to go from five to 10? About just approximate. I'm going to say probably a year and a half. Year and a half. Okay. So what happened that accelerated your growth so much during that time? Hmm. Good question. I think not wavering. And what I mean by that is not wavering on core values, not wavering on our ethics, not wavering on hiring the right people, which I think is the most, one of the most important things is making sure you're getting the right people on board. And I think probably you can, you can attest to like, there's also an evolution. So from one to two trucks to where we are now, like, and I hate to say it this way, but the quality of people actually start changing as well. And you start, you're right. Or, or maybe my mind shifted as well. And maybe I'm actually seeing a players more now than I did then. Right. Well, you've created an environment that a players want to play in. Yes, for sure. Yeah. And I'm and, able. And where did that start, by the way? Well, with the top, with the leader. With you. Yes. So it's fascinating again about this. And, and for those that are listening that are in the replacement space that have salespeople and don't have trucks necessarily, going from you know adding five new salespeople in a year and a half, adding five new trucks in a year and a half, the biggest one of the biggest challenges there is how am I going to keep all of these people busy? So in your case, it, you're making a huge investment. I mean, you got your truck and you got to hire people, you got to outfit the truck and you got to hire a salesperson is not as big of an investment, but where they can bite you is on the leads. Mm -hmm. And so in your case, you're probably setting people up there. There's a minimum service call that's required in order for you to roll a truck out. But how did you, I guess, how do you get the confidence to in a year and a half, basically double the size of your business? I think there was a few things that really did that for me. I think, I think number one was being able to find additional leads and not paying for them. And really what I found, one of the first things I found that was kind of an aha for me was like, well, we're missing leads that we're already paying for in the call center. Yeah. So let's, let's find all those leads. And then once we realized that we had more leads than we can handle, then I, you know, then that they're trickled down to, Hey, we need to hire more people, you know, what can we do? You know, at that point, the cost of the cost of acquisition drops. So, you know, so then you're able to pay for more leads, which then lead into, per, you know, hiring another person, 
I think that was a big help, you know, finding those. And and I didn't do it on my own. You know, I'm, I'm part of uh, a network, Nextar Network. I think yep. you're familiar with them. I'm familiar, yep. And, you know, and I highly recommend any best practice type of networks that anybody can get into. They definitely should. Yeah. And I know you have some amazing ones as well. The Roofer Show, I've seen that. I've seen that. But I think that's where it started. And then just seeing what other contractors are doing. I started visiting around that time. I started visiting other other plumbing companies and HVAC companies in the industry and started seeing what they were doing. And, and I think that was probably one of the most helpful things that I did was really just seeing what other people are doing that are in $5 million businesses and in $10 million businesses. And I went to Kentucky a couple months ago and brought some of my team and we, we checked out a $75 million company. Yeah. And I've, I've got more information and taken more back from those type of those type of things than probably anything, Brian. And those yeah. give you the confidence to, to know that I can do it. Builder Prime is changing the game for home improvement contractors. Imagine having everything you need to help your business grow in one place. CRM, estimating marketing automation with SMS, production management software, and now call center dialer integration, all wrapped into one easy to use package. And it's never been easier to switch CRMs. Hundreds of contractors trust Builder Prime to grow their businesses with powerful reporting tools to see which leads are making money, which sales reps are the top performers, and where to optimize for the greatest impact. We're talking about winning more jobs, boosting productivity, and delighting your customers. Are you ready to fuel your business growth even faster without all the daily frustrations of your current tech stack? You owe it to yourself, your team, and your business to learn why everyone is switching over to Builder Prime, the only true does-it-all CRM for home improvement contractors. Head over to BuilderPrime.com and request a personalized demo with an expert today. You can, right. And it's, you know, one of the things that, and you might have heard me say this at Accelerate, and it's one of the last things that I say to people as they're leaving is, don't do this alone. There's yes. absolutely no reason for you to have to figure everything out on your own because there are models out there. There are other people out there that are where you want to be. And so go learn from them. You know, join, you know, like Nextstar, join the Wealthy Contractor Mastermind Group where, you know, where you get together with other like people and mm-hmm. learn from each other and you grow together and, and you grow so much faster that way. I love that you're still doing it. You know, it, it's no, it's funny, you know, success is no secret. It's the, the quote unquote secrets are out there in plain sight. And unfortunately, you know, too many people, they get so like caught up in their own stuff. Like, oh, I got to go out and I got to do this job. No one can do it as good as I'm going to do it. Well, maybe. You ain't going to grow a business that way. You're not going to get right. freedom that way. You're not going to grow wealth that way. That's right. So what was the biggest, so what do you think were the biggest challenges for you going from, you know, five to 32 trucks in 10 years? The biggest challenges? Cash flow, probably. I mean, yeah. you know, from uh, 19 to 20, we grew 50% to 3.5. From 20 to 21, we grew 61.5% to like 5.8. 
from 21 to 22 last year, we, we grew to almost 10 million. That's which is 70% growth. Like, wow. Yeah. So you got to check your cash flow. I mean, when you grow that fast, like cash flow is king. You got to have cash. You don't yeah. pay bills with, well, boom, boom. You shouldn't be paying bills with credit. You yeah. know, you, you pay them with cash. That was my mistake. <laughs> I've done it too. Yeah. <laughs> Horrible so, way to do business. So you own your business through cash flow. Yes. Yeah. All of my top clients. I mean, I don't care. You know, you look at somebody like a like a Scott Berman, you know, Florida window and door. Hundred, mm-hmm. I don't know, he's gonna do 120 million dollars last year. He doesn't have any debt on the business, he's never taken any debt on the business. Yes. It's all through cash flow, you know. Yes. And that's one of the things that I hope that God, I hope that if anybody gets anything out of this podcast, is if you are on credit cards and you have debt in your business, that's a bad problem to have. And the only way to fix that is by raising your prices, by understanding your numbers, right? Mm-hmm. You mm-hmm. have to raise your prices. I mean, the overhead on 10 trucks alone, I mean, between the office and the housing and the, the monthly, you probably have, I don't even know what it's called now, the, the tracking systems on the trucks. Mm-hmm. Or is it still yeah. like Mojack or something like that? We use, we use a company called here, I'll just pull it up. But there is a company. So you have 32 vehicles out there that every single month has a fee attached to it for just the tracking, just that one little thing alone. Well, who's going to pay for it? Mm -hmm. John's going to pay for it or the customer's going to pay for it. That's right. And so you have to be able to raise your prices in order to pay for everything. So in a hyper-competitive market like plumbing, which by the way, every business is hyper-competitive. I don't care what you're in. Everybody says that they think that their business is different. But Brian, you don't understand. <laughs> my business is different. You don't understand my market. You don't understand my competition. Really? So what do you say? What do you say to that? You say, well, this isn't, you're not entering into a blue ocean market. Like this, this isn't something new. It's, it's been done before to some capacity. So, yeah. you know, we actually have cameras in our trucks too. Like we have front wow. and rear facing cameras to make sure, you know, it's, it's for safety. It's for the guys. And that's a whole nother story. It's just trying to get them to have put cameras in their trucks little, you know, while they're all using their fingerprints and their faces to get into their phones, they yeah. have a big problem with it being in the truck that they yeah. don't own, which is a whole yeah. nother story, but yeah, yeah, there's some, there's definitely, I mean, look, I had trucks back in the nineties. And so we didn't have a lot of this, you know, the new technology that was coming on was so expensive. I mean, I couldn't afford it, but having trucks, I mean, it was like every week, one of them was breaking down somewhere. Every <laughs> week tires were going out every week. A transmission was going anyway. That's a whole nother. Let's not even talk about that, but raise, how, your, prices, raise your prices, Brian. So you can get new trucks. Exactly. Right. <laughs> well, I didn't know all this stuff back then. You know? Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah. So you raise your prices, but price also is directly in proportion to the value that you provide and create in the marketplace. So what were some of the things that you guys started to do to become more valuable to your customer so that you could charge what I would imagine at this point are premium prices? Right. I think a consistent, a consistent way to service your customers. Sometimes that's just a script. Sometimes that's you know, we have a, a process called the service system. You know, it's everything from greeting your customers, from using shoe booties, from having a, 
you know, a clean uniform to doing a whole home inspection, you know, finding it, you know, I hate to call them issues, but finding and, and bringing up things that could be potential problems. And, you know, just really, since we're nerds, you know, really what we pride ourselves in doing is not only educating all of our people, but educating our customers as well. This letting them know what looks great, what, what needs attention and what needs attention now. And that goes a long ways, but, you know, a consistent customer service experience, you know, whether they get Billy or they get Bob or they get Susan, if it's consistent every time, I think that means a lot. Constant communication, you know, through, you know, we text if they prefer it, you know, they actually send us back. Yes, I do. No, I don't. We call them and let them know we're on time. We, you know, we communication is key, which down here, I don't know about over where you're at, but I can't tell you how many times they've said last one didn't even call us back. You know, oh, so over here, it's bad. Yeah. It's bad. Yeah. Do you have any trucks over here, by the way? Because I need a plumber. <laughs> I, I'm not kidding you. No, I'm no. afraid of Miami people. <laughs> they're they're tough. They're tough. Yeah. It's over yeah. there, I think there's probably some more professionalism over there, but over here. <laughs> you know, you mentioned education. You know, one of the, I think one of the greatest value adds is education. And I think that a lot of contractors or remodelers or, you know, service provider, home service companies, they assume that the customer knows a lot more than they really do. The customer really doesn't know the process. The customer really doesn't know how plumbing works, how windows work, how the roofing system works. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I think one of the, the worst things that an owner can do is assume that they know and just go out there, look at the job, regardless of what it is, whether it's plumbing or roofing or windows, whatever, and just say, okay, here's how much it is to fix it. Mm-hmm. You do that. The only thing that you, you're going to compete on is price because you haven't built any value. You haven't educated them on why is the price this? Because mm-hmm. whatever price you give them, if you just give them a price is automatically too much. Right. I don't care if you give it to them at cost, they're still going to say, oh, my God, that's so much more than I thought. Mm-hmm. Well, you know, so it's either, you know, I'll email them and I don't have to talk to them. And some of them will just say, OK, and I'll have work for tomorrow or we can actually go in there and sell it. But we yes. can do the customer a service by educating them on the process and letting them know. So I would imagine that's a big piece of what you're doing. Communication is another one. I think that's amazing. You are, well, you're using GeForce program. So you're staying in touch with your customers too. So are you of the mind that when you get a customer, this is now a long-term relationship that I'm developing with this customer? Oh yeah, for sure. That's, that's why we use you guys. You guys do a great job. You guys are, your whole team is on it. And I'm not just saying that because we're on your podcast. Like, yeah. I admire a lot of things about your business that you, as far as G4 is concerned, and you do a lot of things really, really well. I I mean that. And yeah, I think, I think the existing customer is a whole lot cheaper than, uh, than the cost of the new acquiring a new customer for sure. Yeah. Especially, you know, especially in service businesses like yours, you know, my, my mentor, Dan Kennedy taught me almost at the beginning, he taught me, you get the job, you don't get the customer to get the sale, you get the sale to get the customer, you get the job to get the customer. The Mm -hmm. customer is what has value. The job only has value today, which is fine. 
But we also want to develop that customer so that that customer grows in value and helps us grow in value as well. And I think part of the reason why you got into 32 trucks is you're, you're constantly not out there looking for new, 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 new every single day, although that's a part of the mix, but you're also nurturing and developing those past customers as well. Yeah. And I think one thing I really admire about your business amongst many is the second sale. I mean, I think a lot of people know that the second sale for an existing customer is easier. Yeah. You guys do that. You guys do that brilliantly. Every every quarterly meeting we have with with uh, Jennifer, she's always trying to hit us up for that second sale, and and they're value providing options for us. And you know, I really admire that. I think that's an area that we actually could improve a whole lot on. Yes. Yeah. You know, communicating value added type of services after the initial sale. Yeah, absolutely. Well, with plumbers, a lot of a lot of what you could do with plumbing. So plumbing is such an interesting business because it's so need driven. Mm. It's need driven. My toilet's clogged. My my I have a leak. I have a whatever. Right. It's something I got to take care of it right now. And so they have a need and they're calling you for it right now. But that's just they're opening the door to their house. And now all of a sudden it's like, well, wait a minute. They have toilets. They have sinks. They have faucets. They have water heaters, heater, water heaters. And so now it's like, how do we take it from a need to now, how do we get them to start buying some wants? Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And so upgrading their water heater, which mm -hmm. is, I think, a really good business. And other businesses can do this too, but they're just so consumed with new, new, new. We got to just go get new customers. How do you see the I'm, I'm looking at the clock here and I, I want to kind of get your take on because you've grown quite a bit over the last three years. And, uh, you know, we are in Florida and I think Florida is going to be a little insulated if there is any disruption in the economy. I mean, I read something yesterday that said something like the for the last year or two, the recession's been six months away. It's six months away. It's six months. Right. Away. It keeps getting pushed out. Right. We were right. supposed to be in recession by now. <laughs> And so how are you kind of thinking about the next two or three years? Do you plan on growing as much as you've grown in the last couple of years? Are you going to, what, what are you, what are you thinking? Yeah. I mean, actually more, more so. And I think a recession is actually going to be an opportunity for us. Should that actually happen when everybody's cutting costs and cutting back on marketing, we're going to ramp it up and for less cost this year, I guess, for example, this year, we're, 97% growth is what we're expecting this year. Whoa. This year. So we should end up this year just under 20 million this year. Okay. So everybody that's listening to this, if you're listening to this on Apple or whatever, you should have a back, like a 15 second or a 10 second back button. I want you to go hit that button right now, like two or three times and listen to what he said when I asked him about recession, because he's absolutely right. Businesses like yours that are efficient, that understand their numbers, that have cash, they're only going to grow during the recession because what's happened is over the last two or three years, yes, we've had this incredible growth. People have spent like crazy on their houses and a lot of companies have grown a lot. But the problem is, is that a lot of companies basically did it by accident. They were able to get, you know, 10 leads might come in in a week or 20, whatever the number is, 10 or 20. And they had so many leads 
five or six of them, they didn't even get to. They didn't even follow up on. And the ones that they did follow up on, they didn't even really, they were like so busy, busy that they even wasted half of those leads. So now when things start to adjust and leads get harder to make, well, when you've got somebody like you that understands how to make leads, has thousands of happy customers, has cash in the bank, has good systems, has, has good people, oh, you're going to run over all of the weak players in the market. And what's in it's in a way, it's kind of sad, but in a way, it's this is just how life is. But a lot of those people are going to come knocking on your door wanting a job. Yeah. They're not going to have a quote unquote business anymore. Right. Yeah, there was a time through through the first recession, the Great Recession, that I was running ads that said, "Do you own a business and just tired of running it? Come work for us." You yeah. know, because and we found some really great employees that just no longer wanted to own a business for whatever their reason was. Maybe it was sure. cash flow. Maybe they just were tired of answering phone calls twenty four seven. But I've got some really great people through those, and and we've done a lot of growth through them as well. So awesome. Yeah. All right. So as we kind of wrap up here, so what is your, what's your life like now? I mean, what's your, what do you do in the business now? What's your job? I would consider myself probably a GM, CEO. I'm, you know, my Friday is consumed with one-on-ones with my leadership team, which by the way, Brian is my favorite thing I do. You know, I, I hope that I'm feeding into them as much as they feed into me and just absolutely love my one-on-ones trying to find the right people to grow, to grow my departments. I, I do, I personally interview all of my leaders and I probably will for some time, but right now we're working on our HVAC department. We'll be launching within the next two months. Nice. And our uh, nerd university, which will be our uh, apprenticeship program. And you had a speaker at Accelerate Alive that was talking about school and yeah. apprenticeships. We're working on our own as well. And yeah, yeah really excited about that. Yeah. Uh, and who you're talking about, it's Letitia Hankey Letitia. And through yes. her Next Gen Trades Academy. I love this idea of going to schools, to high schools, and yeah. talking with these kids that are lost. They don't know about college isn't for me. How am I going to make a living? You know what? And they're, they can so easily get lost in the system. Yes. They can so easily just be ignored and moved past. And to introduce them to the trades and to introduce them to a work that's fulfilling, but also financially lucrative, if they do it right, if they follow your systems, if they follow your process. I mean, how many, how many of your technicians out of, you have how many, 32 plus something, right? Yeah. So well, have two in a truck. How many, what percentage of them make over a hundred thousand a year? We have six right now that are on pace to make 20%. 100%. Yes. Yeah. So 20% are in six figures. And, and, and one of them is only has only out of the trade has been in the trades for just over a year. Yeah. I mean, look at the same thing with salespeople too. I mean, sure. we've got, we've got, I mean, my buddy, John Anglis and his company, he's got 20 something year old kids that are making 150, $200,000 a year selling home improvements. Yes. It's follow the system. Here's mm-hmm. what we do with here. You take care of our customers. We'll take care of you. Everything else will be taken care of. And it's, I'm so glad you're doing that. You, you. I'm so happy you're doing that. I think more of us need to do that. I know that Letitia got quite a few people interested in learning more about NextGen. 
And it's up to us, I think, because the government's not going to do it. The schools aren't going to do it. It's up to us entrepreneurs to go out there and say to these kids, hey, look, look at my background. You know, mm-hmm. I didn't come from any money. I didn't, I mean, we didn't even get into your background, but it wasn't all sunshine and rainbows. You didn't have, you know, this, you know, people giving you money and, you know, mom and dad saying, oh, just come into our business and we'll make you rich. You know, mm-hmm. you have to figure all this stuff out on your own. And so right. that's a great story to go and tell these kids. It's like, look, you know, I had to start with nothing. I even went bankrupt and started all over again. I mean, it, I'm really happy to, to hear that you're you're doing that. And look, and there's a practical side of it too. You know, there's a good, you know, good and decent part of you that's out there that really wants to help people. But the practical side of it is we need workers. We need people mm-hmm. in trades. We, these houses are getting older and they need to be taken care of anyway. So last thing I'm going to ask you. So You've had a great career you've, and you've just gotten started too. I mean, it's, it's incredible what you've done so far and I'm excited to see where you, where you take it. Thank you. What's one thing that you would have wish you had known earlier that you wish you would have started doing earlier than you did? I wish I would have done earlier. You know, I, I'm the type of person, Brian, that I don't live with regrets. So yeah. I, you know, I, you know, the lot I of love wishes. That. Yeah. Knowing what you know now, if you could go back, you know, to yourself 10 or 12 years ago, what one piece of advice would you have given yourself? So for the longest time, I, I told myself the only way you'd ever become wealthy was either through real estate or through invention. And I would have convinced myself that that's not true long, long ago, because it's not true. Yeah, yeah. good. Yeah, it's really good. It's, I, I like, too, that you said that the thing about no regrets. You know, recently, as I'm getting on in my age, quite a bit ahead of you in age. No. Um, but, you know, I thought about all of the, you know, you think about the rough times and you think about, you know, going bankrupt and losing everything. And I thought, you know, there's that in the back of your mind, God, if I can go back and just change that, or if I can go back. And and recently, like you, I'm like, you know, I wouldn't change a damn thing. I wouldn't change a damn thing. The only thing I might do is go back to that kid and, you know, in his thirties and say, you know what, man, believe in yourself. Just believe in yourself. That's good. Grow your confidence. Just believe in, in what you're doing and who you are. But I don't think I would change anything because I'd be afraid of what the, you know, where I would, wouldn't be here talking with you. Who knows where I would be? Might right. be better, might be worse. Yeah. Um, but it took that journey. Yeah. It took that journey to get you there and it took my journey to get me here. Yeah, exactly. Well, John, I wish you nothing but continued success. Of course, if there's anything at all that I can do to help, please, please let me know. Thank you. Brian. And keep in touch. You got to come back. You got to come back again and give us an update on your 97% growth. Wow. Are you guys doing EOS? You mentioned rocks. Oh, yeah. We actually yeah. have our quarterly quarterly tomorrow. Off-site. Oh, nice. Okay, good. Mm-hmm. Yep. EOS. What a game changer. How long have you been doing EOS? Four years. Four years. Yeah. Game changer, right? It is. Cool game it is. Changer. Yeah. All right, John. Well, cool. Thank you so much for being here. I appreciate it. Hang out for just a second. But to everyone listening, I think this is another one of those episodes that you could go back and listen to again. There was a lot of really good stuff that John shared with us here. 
And yeah, until next time, this is Brian Kaskavalsian with G4 Marketing Group, and this is the Wealthy Contractor Podcast. Thanks for listening to today's episode of the Wealthy Contractor Podcast. Let me ask you, did it help you look at your business in a different way? Did it spark an idea or ideas that you hadn't thought of before? Do you have a list of action items that you can take and implement into your business or your life today? I really hope so. If it did, I'd like to ask you a favor. Would you leave a five-star review of the podcast? By doing so, you'll help other contractors find the podcast more easily so that we can help them achieve more success, wealth, and freedom. And before you go, make sure you subscribe to the Wealthy Contractor Podcast so you get access to the latest episodes as soon as they're available. We're always striving to provide you with great content so you don't want to miss what's coming up. In fact, if you haven't already, make sure you go to thewealthycontractor.com and get your free copy of my latest book, The Seven Secrets to Becoming a Wealthy Contractor. Just pay shipping and handling, and I'll take care of the cost of the book. So until next time, this is Brian Kaskavalsian.